Are you ready to take your message, your business, and your life to the next level? Want to learn from someone with more than a decade of experience, training tens of thousands of people from all around the world? Hi, Cliff. This is Pauline from Auckland, New Zealand. John from Calgary, Alberta. Amy Porterfield. Michael Hyatt. Dan here from Dunedin, New Zealand. Ray Edwards. Mark Mason. Mike Stelzner. Pat from Smart Passive Income. It's Darren from Melbourne, Australia. Now is the time to live the life of your dreams and do the work you feel most called to do in the world. Welcome to the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Here's your host, Cliff Ravenscraft. That's right, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. And I am going to be extremely brief right here at the front of the episode. And by extremely brief, I do mean less than five minutes this time. Real quickly, I just want to let you know that what you are about ready to hear is an audio recording that has been stripped away from a video that I did, a Facebook live stream video. Now, chances are, before you hit play, you already looked at the timestamp, as far as how the length, anyway, of this podcast episode, and you see that well, it's, it's nearly two hours again. <laughs> well, here's what I do know. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I put out an ep- a two-hour podcast episode, and every single person who listened to the two hours said, wow, they absolutely loved every single minute of it. The realization is, though, is I'm absolutely certain there are some people who just will see the two hours, and they're just like, sorry, ain't nobody got time for that. I'm really sorry for that. The only thing I'm going to say here at the front of this episode It is a practice session. That will be completely, everything is completely explained in the opening of what you're about ready to hear. So I'm not going to reintroduce what you're about ready to hear, except to say this is a practice session, which you'll understand in just a minute what a practice session is. And I just want to also say that in this practice session, it was the first time I shared the information you're about ready to hear out loud in public. It's never been shared before. And I literally typed up a front and back page Google Doc that I printed out as an outline about 15 minutes before I went live on Facebook. So that will give you an indication of why it took me an hour and 47 minutes to actually share all of the information that you're about ready to hear. What I love about the practice session, again, you'll understand what that is in just a moment, is the fact that it allows me to first speak all this stuff out loud, just get everything that's been ruminating up in my head, rolling around there, and just find a way to just blurt it all out and and share it. And then after the fact, I can think, okay, now how can I make this more concise? And I can tell you it already worked because a Two days after I did this practice session, this Facebook Live, I was interviewed by someone for their weight loss journey weight loss journey podcast, and I shared the exact information contained in this episode in fifty minutes. And I know for a fact that now that I've delivered it twice, I can certainly get this information into a very powerful and profound 30 to 40-minute presentation. And that is exactly why I'm doing these practice sessions. Now, everything else is explained from this point forward. I wanted to explain to you why you're getting ready to hear the audio difference. It's Again, it, I just used my iPhone, and I was streaming live to Facebook. But everything else is explained right after this little bumper sound. 
What is up everybody? Cliff Ravenscraft here. Welcome to a very special Facebook live stream. In this Facebook live stream, I'm going to be sharing with you something called a practice session for the Free the Dream conference. And let me just explain to you really quickly what the Free the Dream practice sessions are. You see, everybody who's coming to Free the Dream, which by the way is a conference that I'm hosting on September 7th, 8th, and 9th in Franklin, Tennessee. Um, it is a conference, by the way, to help change your beliefs about who you are and what you're able to achieve in this world that it will help you discover limiting beliefs that are holding you back from living the life for which you were created. It's about helping you. It, well, just go check out the sales page, freethedream.live. And here's the deal. Everybody who buys a ticket to Free the Dream, it doesn't matter if it's the standard ticket, the VIP ticket, or even just the virtual ticket, everybody is going to get copies or recordings, the videos of all of the sessions that take place in Franklin, Franklin, Tennessee. So all of the sessions that happen from the stage in Franklin, Tennessee, September 7th, 8th, and 9th, those are all going to be recorded and they will be delivered to everyone after the event. However, for those who uh, have purchased a ticket, whether again, there's a VIP ticket, there's a standard ticket, and then if only if you go to the sales page, at the very bottom of the sales page, there's also a, a virtual ticket for those of you who aren't planning to come, but you want to have access to all of those recordings, plus the practice sessions. And so the practice sessions is something that I've never seen anybody else do for a conference. It's something that I came up with, I dreamed up while I was at the gym working out because that's my favorite place to be in this world. Anyway, so I was working out and I had this idea. It's like, what if I, uh, one of the things that I want to do is I want to make sure that any message that I deliver on the stage, that I have plenty of time to practice teaching it. I know that the very first time I delivered the 11-step formula for building your business, it went extremely well. It was great, but I can tell you the second time I did a Next Level Workshop and I delivered that session, it was so much better. I've now delivered that talk seven different times, and well, you can go listen to episode number, well, it's the most recent episode over at uh, mindsetanswerman.com slash formula mindsetanswerman.com slash formula. That is my most recent podcast episode where I actually share a $2,000 piece of content for free. But anyway, it's if you listen to it, it's delivered with precise execution. It's just like, wow, the delivery of that, that information is like, I, I could deliver it in my sleep because I've done it so many times. So the idea is that there's going to be some new material that I'm bringing to free the dream. Material I've never taught a group of people. I've been learning it myself. I've been teaching people in one-on-one -on -one mentoring sessions. And I've been uh, facilitating hot seats for the mastermind, the Next Level Mastermind, which, by the way, um, Cliff, where do I get a t virtual ticket? I can't attend. Uh, Liz, the place that you go is go to freethedream.live, scroll to the very bottom of the, of the sales page and it says, it'll, it'll say can attend question mark and the virtual ticket information's right there. Thank you for that question, by the way. So um, anyway, where was I? Uh, so there's, I've, I've facilitated some hot seats in people's mastermind, in the mastermind groups that I facilitate. And I, I'm teaching a lot of this stuff, but never from a presentation perspective. And so I know that I already have three talks that are completely 100% outlined, ready to go for Free the Dream, and I'm super excited about those, but I've never presented them 
in a way that, hey, I'm teaching this to a group of people. And I'm like, I know I need to practice this stuff, but it's one thing to practice talking to a, uh, yourself. And it's a whole different thing talking to a live audience. And so I decided I'm going to do the practice sessions. Now, typically, these are not going to be public. This one here, I'm broadcasting live on Facebook. There are a couple reasons for that. One of them is marketing so that you guys get a taste of the kind of stuff that you'll get from a practice session. Uh, but f frankly, most of, this pr most of the practice sessions that I will be doing are going to be private group coaching webinars for only people who have already purchased tickets, all right? So, but today, this practice session is free for everyone. It's here on Facebook. I'll probably will upload it to YouTube. I'll share it everywhere I could possibly share it, and I might even put the audio of this into a podcast episode. You never know, but that's what the practice sessions are. If you want more about, of what you're about ready to hear, um, again, this is not polished. Some of this stuff may be the first time I've ever taught it publicly. Uh, some of this stuff, like today, by the way, there are three talks that I've already got outlined. That is not, I'm not sharing with you today a talk that has already been outlined. That will be coming up for people who are on the one of the ticket, you know, have purchased the tickets. I will be doing a practice session where I can't wait to share with you my opening keynote for Free the Dream. My practice session for my opening keynote, which basically, I haven't given it a title yet, but I'm working around with the title of We've Got a BS Problem. You know, if, 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 you, if you think about, you know, if you've been telling yourself X, Y, Z, you've got a BS problem. And it's not BS like what you think. It's actually, well, you know what? I'm not going to tell you what it is. Come to the conference or buy the virtual ticket. You'll find out what the BS problem is. But I promise you it's not the language that you think it is. All right. So that's what all the practice session is about. This, by the way, this practice session, there's going to be several practice sessions where I'm going to be sharing things that may not even make it to the stage. So there's going to be a lot of content between now and, Feb or and September that I will be practicing delivering. And some of it may make it into some of the other sessions that I do at the event. Some of it may just be things that just get practice sessions. And you know, the reality is there's more that I want to share than I could possibly share in a two and a half day event, which is Free the Dream. So there's going to be a lot more than two and a half days worth of content, I believe, in the practice sessions. With that being said, I was at the gym, uh, well, every day this week. And uh, this, this message, this practice session that I'm doing today just came to me. In fact, uh, it, the title for it came to me today. The title of this practice session is what you believe about who you are will determine your outcome. What you believe about who you are will, <laughs> will I, you know what, Joe, I thank you for, for guessing the title. And yes, you are correct. But, uh, and just so everybody knows, even if you're watching the replay, because the replay, I don't think is going to get the replay on Facebook will get the comments, but Joe actually uh, guessed it correctly. BS is a belief system problem. And we're going to talk about in my opening keynote how we actually developed our belief system. We're not going to be talking about that today, although we will be talking about some BS issues. All right. 
So with that being said, let's have some fun. By the way, I have completely removed comments. I won't see when people are jumping in. I won't see any comments that you post from this point forward until the end, after I've delivered what's on this piece of paper, front and back, all right? So uh, if, if you wanna comment and have questions, please feel free to do that. I'll see those afterwards and maybe comment back to you. Maybe I'll, I don't know that I'll scroll up. But if you have questions, you can hold on to those until after I've presented this information and I'll be happy to answer questions and, and engage with you after I've delivered this material. So with that being out of the way, today's topic, what you believe about who you are will determine your outcome. I want to share with you a quote that I picked up from Tony Robbins. And as soon as I heard him say it the first time in relation to this idea of raising your standard, by the way, the first time I heard this, it was actually, uh, he was talking about raising your standard and I was actually taking that message and, and changing my, my belief system about money at the time and how much money I must make in my life. Like what, what is, what is required in my life? What do I have to make to, you know, who am I? What do I believe about the type of person I am when it comes to my wealth? And I realized I had an upper limit of just over a hundred thousand dollars personal income. And I, and I realized I needed to raise my standard. And so I heard Tony Robbins talk about this idea of raising your standard. And, and I, by the way, that's going to be a whole different practice session. That's not going to be all of this, although I think I might get into some raising your standard kind of uh, language and information here in this practice session. But let me just tell you that he was talking about raising your standard. He said this statement and instantly I realized I needed to change my identity. I needed to change my belief about who I am when it comes to finances. I needed to change my belief. I will never forget the time when I was thinking about raising my prices at one time and the conversation I had with my mastermind group and they said, Cliff, why don't you just stop doing one-on-one -on -one and just do this instead? And I was talking about raising my rates and they said, well, why don't you charge this? And I'm like, I can't believe that I can charge that. And they said, you could absolutely do that. My friend, Mark Mason, this is way before I heard this statement, by the way. My friend, Mark Mason from the Late Night Internet Marketing Podcast, and he's also a member of my Green Room Mastermind. Mark Mason says, Cliff, you know what you are? You're a million dollar guy with a $250,000 mindset. Or no, with a $100,000 mindset. You're a million dollar man with a $100,000 mindset. Or a different way based upon what I'm sharing with you today, you're a million-dollar man with a $100,000 identity. Your identity, what you believe about who you are, you believe you are a person who makes about $100,000 a year. And by the way, it, that if I look over all of my years of income up to that point, I do see that that's about where I hover. Um, there was one year that I actually made significantly more than that. It was the year that we needed the money to build this house plus some other things. And I bumped up over a quarter million dollars that year. Uh, but I quickly went back down to 100000 And there's a reason for that. And it has everything to do with what I'm sharing with you today. And it is your identity. So here's the quote that I later, by the way, I just picked up this quote from Tony. First time I ever heard it was probably 2016. And um, it, was it was right after Unleash the Power Within. Here's what Tony Robbins says. He says, the strongest force 
in the whole human personality is the need to stay consistent with how we define ourselves. The strongest force in all human personality is the need to stay consistent with how we define ourselves. By the way, I heard this described a completely different way recently by a man named Gay Hendricks. He wrote the book, The Big Leap. If you've been following me, you know I've been talking about this book a great deal. And one of the things that he just like blew my mind with this word integrity. I've heard about integrity all my life. I've never looked up the definition of integrity, but I just assumed the, what the word integrity meant. And I felt like it had something to do with honorable and your, your good character and, and all of that other stuff. And that's not what it means, or at least not the way that I understand it today. The way that I think about the word integrity today is, uh, is are your actions, are the actions you are taking, are they congruent or in alignment with who you really are? So the thing is, is if, if, if I were a jerk, I mean, if I really owned up to the fact that I am a total jerk, I'll just keep it PG here. If I were a total jerk and that's fully who I am and I go around treating everyone I know like a, as a jerk would treat them, guess what? That's integrity. I'm, I, I am a man of integrity. If I am a complete jerk and I treat other people as a jerk would treat them, then I am a man of integrity because I am integrity with who I am, my identity. This is, this is my makeup. This, I, I am authentic even. Gosh, if, if I'm, I'm, I'm and by the way, authenticity is one of my core beliefs, all right? So it, integrity means that you're in alignment with your true identity of what you believe about yourself. It's a, you're in alignment. It's, it's kind of like the word hypocrisy or a hypocrite. A hypocrite is somebody who says this, who says they believe this, but they act completely different. A hypocrite is a man without, or a woman, um, a hypocrite is a man or a woman without integrity. All right, because what they say and their actions don't align with what they say they believe or what their identity is. So that is this word integrity. So anyway, the strongest force in the human personality is the need to stay consistent with how we define ourselves. And I can tell you this, once I heard this, and I've been, I've been actually letting this thought soak in for more than two years now, or almost two years now. It's been about a year and a half. Yeah, it's almost a year and a half. Anyway, so for a while now, I've been soaking this in and I'm like, wait a second, let me look at this. Do I see anybody out there who are living lives and taking action in their life that is vastly different than how they define themselves or what they believe about who they are? And the answer is no, I've not found a single human being out there. Um, that at least that does this consistently, by the way, again, I remember, remember when I heard this the first time I'm thinking about financially. And then all of a sudden when I'm evaluating this, it's like, wait a second, there's a, if I, if I look back in 2020 vision, seeing the, the past and evaluate the past in light of what I know now, have there been times when I actually am taking action that is not consistent with what I believe about who I am? Yes, there are times. So is this statement true? Hold on. 
This statement is true, but here's the thing. I did some actions. I took steps. I did things the year that I decided I must build this house. I needed an extra, a lot of money. There's an entire podcast episode I recently did about that. But the whole idea, by the way, the title of that episode is you always have plenty of money for everything you truly want. It's a two-hour podcast episode. It's worthy of being a practice session all of its own. You can find it at cliffravenscraft.com. On the homepage, it's listed as one of my featured podcast episodes. It's called You Always Have Plenty of Money for Everything You Truly Want. That year, I truly wanted something. I was going to do anything and everything within my power, even doing things that were not consistent with who I believed I was. I was even willing to do things that were not in integrity which, by the way, doesn't mean I did shady things. I just did things that weren't con- that were not congruent with who I believed I was. I was willing to, for a time, step outside of my comfort zone, step so- outside of who I normally am, the things that I would normally do, believing that I, I believed things that I normally wouldn't believe, and I went out and took action and I did things, which basically was create two extra sessions of podcasting A to Z, and instead of limiting those two extra sessions to 20 people, I allowed almost 40 people in each of those sessions. I served those people, it was freaking awesome, everybody loved it, and as a result of that, I made tons of extra money that year, that was the year I made $250,000 in personal income, and then I built this house, we furnished this house with, we were able to do things that just seemingly were impossible, but I'll tell you what, in the big leap, Gay Hendricks calls it the upper limit challenge. He, He also calls it the thermostat. We'll get into some of that language later, but anyway, what happened was I I hit this new level of income and it took me out of my comfort zone. And the next thing you know, I I kind of backed down and I slowly saw my income over the next several years slowly go back down to that 100K mark or just over 100K. And the reality is, is that's that's because that's my comfort zone. That was where my thermostat was set set at. And that's what I believed about myself. It's a lot about who I believe or how much I believed I was worthy of making. It had a lot to do with what I believed was the right amount for me to make. It had lots of, lot to do with belief, but it had everything to do with what I believed about who I am. I was still a million dollar guy or... At least I had proven, I had proven in 2000, whatever year we built this house, uh, in 2014, I had proven that I was at least a quarter million dollar man, but still had a hundred thousand dollar identity. And, and yeah, it, it, trust me, it, this is real stuff. All right. So first of all, uh, I want to talk about this idea of identity as it relates to my health and fitness journey. So I'm going to transition because I know some people get really weirded out about money. Some of you already may have are tuned out. Some of the people watching live that aren't a part of the Free the Dream conference virtual ticket and practice sessions. Some people may have tuned out because Cliff's all of a sudden talking about money and blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to switch over to talking about health and fitness. But before I do, I have written myself some notes here. I want to tell you I am not a medical professional, nor do I play one on television or Facebook Live. Uh, I am not, hear me out, I am not making any recommendations for you when it comes to physical activity or nutrition. 
Anything I say from this point forward is not a recommendation. I don't, matter of fact, I hope that I don't even go too much into the details about the things that I do and my physical activity and the kinds of ways that I've changed how I eat and what I eat. I may end up going there, I don't know, but what I wanna tell you right here, I am not a medical professional. I encourage you, if you wanna make changes to your health and fitness, that you seek the advice of your personal medical doctor, get some professional advice on, on how you should lose weight and all that other stuff. That's Cliff Ravenscraft is just teaching you, as he talks about himself in the third person. I am only teaching you what I've done myself. I am not, this is, this is, what it is not a prescription it is just a description of what i've done okay that's out of the way um let's see here and by the way uh what i am sharing with you today is how i learned to master my physical body and i will tell you with all confidence i Cliff Ravenscraft am the master of this thing right here this physical body i own it it does not own me. It will never control me ever again in my life. I am the master of my physical body. And you can take the things that I've, I'm teaching here today and you will learn some of the mindset, the belief system, the BS that needs to happen, the good BS, all right? We're gonna help you get rid of some of the old BS that you've been dealing with that's been holding you back and we're gonna help you install some new BS, all right? So anyway, while this session is, is going to be, for the remainder of it, it's gonna probably be focused on my health and fitness journey and how I came to master my physical body, I wanna let you know that, that what I'm teaching in this practice session is not limited to mastering your physical body. It, it can be, uh, everything I'm gonna share from this point forward, it can be easily transferred to any other area of life. This is how to master your financial life. This is how to master your ability to be the husband or the wife that you desire to be. This is the way for you to master the, the fa being the father or the mother to your children that you desire to be. This is how to master any area of your life, okay? So with that being said, let's talk about my fitness journey. Uh, again, I have some notes here and you'll see me looking down. And again, this is not me trying to be polished. Again, it's called the practice sessions for a reason. I'm going to take a drink of water. I always love that. You could tell I'm an audio podcaster because I always tell people when I'm getting ready to take a drink of water, even if I'm on stage or even if I'm on a Facebook Live. And the reason why is because I used to do audio podcasts without editing, and I would always have to tell somebody, hey, this momentary brief period of silence that I'm not going to edit out later, it's because I'm getting ready to take a drink of water. And they didn't know because they were listening to audio. All right, fitness journey. Going back to January 2009. Not gonna give you all the details, don't worry about that. All I'm gonna give you is the most important stuff we need to know to get you from a, a terrible BS situation into a good BS situation. And you know what, Joe McGarry, thank you so much for allowing me to go ahead and think, you know what, it's good to let people know at the beginning of this that it is BS equals the belief system because we are gonna talk about it. But boy, guys, wait till you get to the practice session for the opening keynote, the one where I actually share how you developed your BS situation. 
that's going to be a fun one. But that, let's start with January 2009. Uh, not going to go into all the details, but I'll just tell you that in January 2009, after my first year in business, I ended up in the hospital for two weeks and I almost died. That is not me being overly dramatic. It is absolutely fact. And I weighed at that time when I was in the hospital 272 pounds. 272 pounds. That means I was nearly a 300-pound man, all right? I'm going to tell you right now, I don't want to be offensive to anyone out there, but I will tell you I was fat. I was fat. I was a fat 272-pound man who ended up as a result of his physical body and the way that I, there he goes about the third person again, as a result of the way that I treated my physical body, the actions and the choices that I intentionally made over all of those years, and yes, every decision, every choice was intentional. There, not once did anybody ever force me to eat food. Nobody ever forced me to eat food. Nobody ever put an obstacle in my way from keeping me from working out. So I will tell you every decision I made in my life all the way up to January 2009, it was all intentional. I didn't know it at the time, but it was. And so I intentionally grew myself to a fat 272 pounds. Now, question is, why did I get fat in the first place? So the first thing that I want to tell you is, is there are a bunch of other beliefs some other BS issues that I had, I'm gonna address just a, like, just a few of them, and there's a lot that I could go into, but I'm just gonna share a couple BS issues that I had. Number one, BS being a belief system issue, one of them is food is a way to celebrate. Anytime that something exciting happens in life, I had been conditioned to celebrate with food. The idea of going to a, somebody's birthday party, some kid's birthday party, and not eating cake and ice cream, it's almost as though you're saying, I don't care about you. There's No, I'm not here to celebrate you. If you don't eat cake and ice cream, you're not celebrating. So anytime throughout my entire life, from the time I was a kid all the way up until, well, just recently, um, anytime I had something worth celebrating, it's like, hey, let's go out to to celebrate, dessert, oh, come on, calories don't count when it's your birthday, you know, it's Thanksgiving, we're celebrating thankfulness, and anyway, so there's all of that. Then, not only that, but there is, my belief system is that the way that we socialize is food. Go to any networking party, you're surrounded by food. Go to a bar where you hang out, well, I don't go to bars, I don't drink personally, but that's, I'm, I'm not putting that on anyone else. I just had a, 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 a biological dad who was an alcoholic and it, it predisposed me to not care about alcohol as much as other people. But if you go to a bar, which I've done before, and I know that there's plenty of food there and it's a social thing people do. You go out with friends after work or whatever. You probably order some food together. You go out on a first date with, with a significant other or somebody you want to be your significant other. Where's your first date at? It's almost always going out to eat. Not always, but almost. You get the idea. It's, it's about eating, socializing. So food is a way we socialize and, it's, it's, and it helps socializing. Uh, not only this, I had a belief that food is an excellent way of dealing with anxiety 
and stress and um, yeah, stress and anxiety. I just said it backwards from my notes. Not a big deal. So food, it, by the way, <laughs> am I the only one? I bet you I'm not. I bet you I'm not the only one who had the belief that food is a perfect way of dealing with stress and anxiety. And by the way, it is a way of dealing with it. Now, mine was a belief that it was a good way. Now, I, didn't, I did not consciously associate the word with good to what I was doing, but I did, I did know that I am anxious right now. I'm filled with worry. I'm filled with self-loathing. I'm filled with this. You know one thing that I can do that will change how I feel? Eat food. And I would eat food and it would change how I feel. By the way, there's going to be another practice session that actually is all about how we can control our emotional state at any time in our life. And you don't need smoking, you don't need alcohol, and you don't need food. You can control your emotional state at any other time, but that's not today's practice session. That's another session, and that's one that I hope will actually make it to free the dream as well. Anyway, but yeah, basically food is a great way to deal with uh, stress and anxiety. I had that belief. I also had a belief that uh, food is a great way to deal with boredom. I'm bored. What do I do? I sit down and watch TV. Oh, what do you always do when you watch TV? Well, for me, it became a habit. It's called a pattern. I had a pattern that watching television meant a bag of chips or you know a, some other kind of snack or lots of snacks, an insane amount of snacks. And at one point, it was an entire pint of Grater's ice cream. And if you don't live in Cincinnati and don't know what Grater's ice cream is, it's probably good for you that you don't know that. Anyway, fun stuff here, my friends. Anyway, but the real reason I was fat is, I mean, it's certainly all of those beliefs, all of that BS stuff that I had going on in my health, in my mind about those things. The real, real main core issue is that I became a 272 fat person, fat man uh, in January, 2009, because I believed I was a fat person. Matter of fact, I have had the belief about my identity as being a fat person since I was a kid. Ever since I was a little kid, I believed I was a fat person. Now, let me go back. Let me just take a look here. Uh, when I was a kid, let's just go, let's start around second grade all the way through, let's just say seventh grade, all right? I, I, specifically, I'm targeting those years. Um, th those were very formative years for me. I was already put in a social situation that was uncomfortable. I'm not going to go into the details. None of that's important except to know this. I was a little overweight. And I actually do mean that. I can look back now and I can tell you, I can pull out, I can pull out pictures of me when I was in second grade through seventh grade, I've got, my mom's got all those pictures she gave me. I have those pictures and I can tell you right now, I was a little overweight. I wasn't fat. I was just a little overweight. I'm probably just barely above anyone else. But I had these things. You see these? These are called fat lips. Well, actually, I don't believe they're fat lips anymore. But... 
with these lips, they're, they're actually kind of big. I'm, I'm, now that you, for those of you who are watching, I realize this might be an audio form only for the podcast, but uh, for those of you who are actually seeing the video, these, these lips are actually kind of big. Uh, there's something I'm actually kind of proud of today. I kind of like my full, lush, big, huge, gigantic lips. But when I was a kid, I was a little overweight and I had, th- these lips were almost as big. Just imagine a little tiny kid face with these lips. And so I, I, I can't share with you in a live context what, um, what they called my lips when I was a kid because it's extremely inappropriate. But I, I will tell you that it was a, is it a, pro, a pejorative term, a, a negative term associated with African-American black people back in the late 70s, early 80s? Uh, you may know it as the N word, uh, but peop- the the people in my school called me N lips. So so if you can imagine, you remember t- um, Winnie the Pooh, Winnie the Pooh had a friend named Tigger. So I was called Tigger lips, but it wasn't Tigger. Okay. So my, my ent- I'm talking from second grade through seventh grade, every single day of my life, I was called Tigger Lips. But I wasn't called Tigger Lips. It was with an N instead of T. Okay? That every day, I was, I was picked on, I was made fun of because I was just a little bit overweight. I was on the basketball team, but I was a, just a tiny bit overweight. And everybody made fun of how fat I was compared to their little tiny stick figures. And I, I struggled with that for so much. And, it, and I, I, it, it really radically messed with my head. And it gave me some very severe BS issues. And from the time I was in second grade all the way through seventh grade, I was conditioned, and I, by the way, I intentionally chose this. As a matter of fact, I realize now that I was the one who decided, I made the decision to believe this about myself. Nobody forced me to believe this. I chose to believe this about myself, but I believed I was a fat kid. I, be, I look back at those pictures now, and I'm like, I wasn't fat? Okay, so I had nice full lips, okay? But are they worth making fun of? no. But I didn't think the way that I think today as a kid. I thought as a kid, and it really bothered me. But every day I, I felt like I was a fat person. I, I was a fat kid. And guess what? When, you're, when you believe your identity is that you are a fat kid, do you actually give any care or concern about what kind of foods you're eating? I mean, I ate sugar every day. I ate lots of chips and Doritos. I, I made all kind, I mean, I'm, I, I ate like a fat kid. So let's just fast forward. We go from eighth grade all the way through, let's just say high school. And, and yeah, eighth grade through high school. Next thing you know, guess what? Eighth, through, eighth grade through high school, I'm still overweight. Shock, surprise, right? I'm still overweight. Now, is this anybody's fault but my own? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I am not a victim. Nobody ever did it to me. I made choices and that's the result. But the thing is, because I believed I was a fat person, I lived like a fat person. I did things fat people did. I believed things fat people believe. And because of that, I was fat. Now, the reality is, is that I have a picture of myself. I don't have it here. 
I have a picture of myself where I went to upstate New York with my grandparents at one point, and I was, uh, they, they had a, uh, a speedboat, and they had water skis, and my grandfather taught me how to water ski. And of course, I actually was water skiing without my shirt on, and of course, I would never do this around anyone in public except for my grandparents in upstate New York, where, by the way, at the time, I still lived in northern Kentucky, so nobody in upstate New York knew who I was, and there was no social media back in those days, and so there's nobody, but there, there's one picture of me. There is one picture in existence of me from all the way from eighth grade until I graduated high school. There is only one picture of me without my shirt on. Believe it or not, there is only one. And there, that was intentional because I refused to ever go anywhere without my shirt on, except for this one time, well, a couple times, I went water skiing without my shirt on. Grandma and grandpa's probably not going to call me fat or you know make fun of me. So it, I, I did it, I pulled it off. Unfortunately, I had no idea that they took a picture of me until later I, I discovered a picture of me without my shirt on. You know what though? I wasn't that fat. I wasn't that fat. I look at that picture and I'm like, dude, I'd give anything today to have that body. Wow. I don't know. I'm probably like 17 years old. And do I have a little bit of a gut on me? I'm a, am I a little overweight in that photo? Yeah. But you know what? Back then, I, I remember that time. I remember how weird I felt about taking my shirt off that day. I remember it. I remember any day. By the way, I remember any and every day since second grade. I can tell you, I remember every single time I take my shirt off how I feel about myself. Because until recently, I've always been a fat person. And when I was 17 years old, I was a fat person. I thought that, man, I am so disgusted by how I look physically. And then to think about it, I look at that picture and it's like, I wasn't that fat. But people still, by the way, at that point, people didn't always make fun of me. Uh, in high school, from eighth grade all the way up, I changed my social, social situation. Um, I was in a different school, different, it was a whole different f thing. Uh, and, and I made new friends and, you know, I, you know, I was a little overweight. But guess what? There, were, there happened to be a couple other people who were a little overweight and, and stuff like that. And, and I never really got made fun of about how much I weighed, but I did have some skinny friends. I had, I had some stick figure friends and occasionally somebody would say something that wasn't intended to hurt my feelings, but it's like, you know, you should probably lay off of those chips or something. He's like, you know, you, if, if you want to, anyway, matter of fact, one, one friend of mine, I do remember him say, dude, you're, you're starting to get the Dunlap disease. And I'm like, what? He says, yeah, you, you know, you, you, your belly's done lapped over your belt. You know, just, I, by the way, how crazy, that's, the, that is the first time today, right now, just when I said that, do you know that that is the first time that I've ever remembered that statement since that statement was made? Seriously, that's not in my notes, the Dunlap disease. I have not heard that phrase. I have not heard that statement. I have not heard that since the day that friend told me that, that day. But do you know what? The reason why it just kind of bubbled out right now is because it was still, it was still in here. 
It's still sto- it was still stored. And I will tell you that re- the done lap, and I looked over and it's like, yep, my belly does lap over my belt. I'm fat. Reinforced it. Reinforced it. Continued to condition it. Now, I still, knowing what I know today, I still chose to believe it. All right? Anyway, so... Uh, I've always, I've always thought of myself as a fat person. Um, I was slightly overweight. I'm just looking at my notes here because I believed that was my identity. Oh, by the way, over time, as a, in, through high school, and then it, once I got into college, I got to the place where I was pretty comfortable as a fat person. You know, I, it's like, I, I, I felt like, you know, socially it's acceptable for me to be fat. Uh, nobody, you know, now as I'm coming into young adulthood and actually becoming a, an adult, I found that, you know, hey, I've actually had a couple girlfriends and I'm a fat person, but they love me anyway. You know, so I, I realized it's like, you know, I, I just became comfortable being the fat person I was. And then I met Stephanie and she she didn't have any problem. By the way, I look at pictures of me when I first met Stephanie and, and by the way, when I met Stephanie, I definitely felt like I was a fat person. But I look at pictures today and I'm like, still today, I'm like, that guy, 22 years old, I would love to have that body right now. Actually, I'm, I'm pretty close to it right now. But that's a whole nother story we're getting, or that's a, not another story, it's this story, but it's a little, I don't want to jump too far ahead. So anyway, but I had gotten comfortable being the fat person. And then when Stephanie and I got married, I felt like, and Stephanie, by the way, if you haven't heard of Stephanie's podcast, it's called Thriving Mosaic. You can, it, just Thriving Mosaic. It's in all of your favorite podcast directories. Uh, go check it out. It's from Stephanie, my wife. Episode number two, I think, it might be episode three. No, I'm pretty sure it's episode two. It's called Her Fitness Journey. And she will tell you the same thing. She felt like she was, you know, fat all growing up. And then all of a sudden we got married and we didn't need to impress each other. And we loved each other for who we are. And and I, I can only say this statement because Stephanie said it first in her podcast. We grew fat together. And we were comfortable together. And, and we got pictures of ourselves together. Go, go to MindsetAnswerMan.com slash six months. Go to MindsetAnswerMan.com slash S-I-X-M-O-N-T-H-S, six months. There's pictures in there that will show you just how big I got. And I don't know, I may have a picture of me and Stephanie together. If not, I need to go in and update that and put that picture up. Uh, just showing just how big and comfortable we were. Okay, so anyway, what did I believe? Why was I, why, at January 2009, why, I'm gonna take a drink of water. Again, that's four people I know that will be listening to the audio only of this. <clears throat> but anyway, why did, I, why did I grow myself to a 272 pound man uh, in, by January 2009? It's because my identity, it's who I was and I was comfortable until I went to the hospital and almost died and realized that, quite frankly, it was absolutely the fact that I was 272 pounds that caused me to have the issues that almost killed me. All right? Now, uh, let's see here. So I've got all of that. Yes. So everything on page one has been shared. We are now on the back side of the page. Here we go. Almost dying in the hospital, January 2009, really woke me up. 
<laughs> As is the case for so many people who have some kind of drastic thing that just jolts them and says, okay, something's got to change. I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. Okay, so uh, let's see here. I knew that I needed to change. I started back, I'm, I'm not going to go into how I changed except for the fact that I'll just tell you that after I recovered from my surgeries, two of them, after I recovered from two different surgeries, uh, by the way, neither of them were weight loss surgeries. They, one was to take out, or one was a, an upper GI thing to remove a gallstone out of my cystic duct, and then the second surgery was to remove my gallbladder. Uh, so, so those were the surgeries. I've never done a weight loss surgery. Not that I judge anyone that has done them. Um, by the way, if you're thinking about that, I just want to encourage you that I don't think it's necessary to do a weight loss surgery, uh, but I don't judge anyone who's done it. I have friends of mine who have done those laparoscopic band surgeries and stuff like that. And, and you know, it, it, whatever works for you, just again, for me, I am not a medical professional. I make no recommendations. I encourage you to go seek the, the medical advice of some professional out there who can help lead you in the right direction if you're really struggling with weight issues in your life. Um, but I do believe that if you get the approval of a medical professional uh, that can support you in losing weight without pills, without all this other stuff, and without surgery, um, if you get can get their sign off on it, then then uh, I, I tell you, I that's that's the way I chose to go. That's what I'll say. Okay. So, um, I started walking daily and I started to research what went into living a healthy and fit lifestyle. I started to listen to podcasts that talk about uh, uh, eating the right kinds of foods. I learned about the Mediterranean diet, which is not like a fad diet. It it's, means what are the, what diet meaning the types of foods you eat. Excuse me. And I found that through listening to this podcast called Fitness Rocks, Dr. Monty, uh, was reading research journals. He, as, a, as a doctor, he would read all this medical research and he would actually uh, distill it down into words I could understand. And he was just reading the latest medical research on nutrition and fitness. And he told us about the, the people, the longest living people in the world are people who live in the Mediterranean part of the world. And, and their diet, the, the foods that the Mediterranean people eat are probably the biggest contributing factors to why they're the longest living people in the world. And so if you want to know what the Mediterranean diet is or the Medi what are the foods the people in the Mediterranean part of the world live uh, eat, it's fit, uh, lean meats, fish and chicken. It is whole grains. It is beans or legumes. Um, it is nuts, uh, and there's one other one. Uh, uh, there's one other one that I can't remember off the top of my head. But it, all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, that's all I'm gonna eat. I'm gonna only eat that kind of food, and I'm walking every day, uh, and all of this stuff. And let's just say that after about two and a half years, I lost a total of sixty pounds. Two and a half years, I lost a total of sixty pounds. And, you know, I, I got to tell you, I was so frustrated when I hit the 212 barrier. Oh, my goodness. 212. Me and that number, we go way back. And we don't have fond memories together. Uh, but, boy, did I, I got down to 212 pounds, lost 60 pounds. But why couldn't I get past the 212 barriers? 
I had some BS issues. I'm not going to go into all of those, but I can tell you that I had completely bought into, man, once you've lost this weight, it's hard, the hardest part is maintaining. Um, I heard people say that. People that I respected said that, and then I believed it, and I, I took actions according to my beliefs, and, and I made it hard. I believed it was hard. I made it hard to stick with it. Um, I've got all kinds of other excuses that, of what happened, but I, no excuses are necessary. I have good, I have good excuses. I have my reasons. I, I, I make, I, I make, I don't blame anybody but myself, but I can tell you right now that after two and a half years and getting down to 212 pounds and then finally getting so frustrated that I can't freaking get to 210, I didn't believe I could get to 210. Um, I just got so frustrated and a bunch of other stuff came up and all of my excuses, blah, 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 forget those excuses. They don't mean anything to me anymore. But the, 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 the fact is, is that I eventually started to go straight back up and I got to the place where I, I ultimately, I ended up weighing 272 pounds again. You know why? That's my comfort zone. I got comfortable at 272 pounds. Um, it was, it was still my identity. I, matter of fact, I can tell you right now when I weighed 212 pounds, I didn't think about this and I did not think about this then, but I, I know it today when I weighed 212 pounds, do you know what my identity was? It wasn't, I'm a 212 pound man. Nope. I, if, if you go back to the day that I walked the first time I lost the 60 pounds and I weighed 212 pounds, I can tell you my identity was I am a fat man that weighs 272 pounds, but I've lost 60. That's, that was my identity. I am a 272 pound fat guy who has lost 60 pounds. And what, now this is crazy. This isn't even my notes. This is just coming to me. But when you are, when you actually think about anything else in your life that you've worked hard to acquire, all right? Something that you have worked hard to acquire, and you lose it. What do you want to do? You go out and try to find it. You try to get it back. If you've worked hard for something, you want to go get it back. All right? And think about that language. I'm a 272-pound fat guy who has lost 60 pounds. And just the idea that I've lost something, and, get, and yes, guess what? I worked hard for those 272 pounds. You bet I worked hard to gain those 60 pounds the first time. I lost them and for whatever reason, I decided to go find them and get them back. And I did. <sighs> Ridiculous, I know. Now, I never intentionally, I never consciously thought those things, but the reality is, is my identity is that I, while I physically weighed 212 pounds in my head, if I closed my eyes and looked in the mirror, if I closed my eyes and I look in the mirror, I see the 272-pound fat man. When I closed my eyes, at two, I could get on the scale and I could look down and say, wow, I weigh 212 pounds. And if I looked in the mirror and I could see all, the clear evidence in front of me or the lack of evidence in front of me, I could see that I am a 212-pound man. You know what? Didn't matter because as long as I wasn't looking in a mirror at my 212-pound body, anytime I thought about myself and my identity, I thought of myself as a 272-pound fat man. And I always made choices and decisions ultimately that got me back to that because guess what? 
the strongest force in the human personality is the need to stay consistent with one, how consistent with how we define ourselves or what we truly believe about who we are to be in integrity. And so I, at 212 pounds, every day I believed I was a 272-pound fat person who just happened to lose a lot of weight, inspiring a lot of people, but I still had the identity of a 272-pound man. All right. There we go. So my fitness journey, I, I gained all the weight back over time. Uh, then after that, I had lots of starts and stops of when I, I started losing weight again, started gaining it back. Problem I, I, over and over again, lots of, lots of ancillary BS issues, belief systems about food and fitness and all this other stuff. Like for example, it's such a struggle to work out every day. <sighs> Baloney, that is BS. And it's not the belief system BS, that's the other BS. I won't let anybody tell me that it is a struggle to work out every day. I do not believe that, I do not accept that. I, I used to believe it, that belief is gone. I can't wait to get into the gym every single day. It is not a struggle, it is not a daily grind, it is not, I love going to the gym. I believe going to the gym is the one place where I get the most inspiration, motivation. I, hear, I feel God speaks to me while I'm at the gym. I am so focused, I have clarity in my mind, I, have, I feel so good because of the endorphins, the dopamine and the adrenaline, all of those things and I just have so many ideas and see so many opportunities and I, I'm like, I love going to the gym, going to the gym is my favorite thing in the world, so much so that I spend 10 to 15 hours a week there now. But wait, I'm not there yet, how did I get there? <laughs> this is so good, I hope you guys are enjoying this, I love this stuff. So I, um, yeah, so I adopted a new identity. Uh, I told you there, you know, I gained it all back. I had lots of stars. So what happened? Um, first of all, before my new identity change, and it changed like this. Before my new identity change, I got to just tell you about two different conferences I spoke at. One, well, first of all, I spoke at every single platform conference that Ken Davis and Michael Hyatt ever put on. What a great honor. I am so thankful. Ken, if you're watching this, Michael Hyatt, if you're watching this, thank you so much. From the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for your belief in me and who I am. And I am so thankful that you guys saw Cliff Ravenscraft as a completely different person than I saw myself as. Which, by the way, I saw myself as a man who was a fat person. <laughs> who... <laughs> I feel so bad because I get up on their stage. I'm not kidding. They did their, there, was one, there was a time when they were doing like two platform conferences a year and then eventually got to I think they were doing one a year. And here I am at one platform conference. I get on the stage in front of their entire audience and I'm like, let's just say I'm weighing like 225 pounds, you know, and su you know, super thin compared to when I first started and all this other stuff. And then next thing you know, let's just forward all the way to um, uh, we've got platform conference October 2013 in Dallas, Texas. Oh my gosh, Fat Cliff was back. Physically, Fat Cliff had always been there mentally. I'd always been that guy, but boy, I, I, I found all the stuff I lost. I found all the weight I lost. I got it all back. And what boy, was I a miserable failure in my own mind and in my own heart 
at Platform Conference October 2013. Now, let me tell you, I wasn't a failure at all. Um, I, I delivered what I was hired to deliver to that audience. In fact, my goal was to convince people there to create a podcast within 90 days. And at the end of my talk, I said, "Who?" by the way, at the beginning of my talk, I said, who here has a podcast or plans to have a podcast within the next 90 days? Just a handful of people, like five, 10, 15 people, maybe. There are a couple hundred people there. At the end of my talk, I said, who here is going to have a podcast within the next 90 days or already has one? Stand up. And practically every person there stood up. So I did exact, I was not a failure in what I delivered. But let me tell you something. Michael Hyatt, hold on, I don't want this thing going on in the background. That thing will drive you guys crazy, my, my screensaver. It'll, yeah, it'll distract you. Anyway. So, Michael and Ken hired me to share why people should create a podcast and how a podcast is the single greatest investment you can make in taking your platform to the next level. That's what they were hired me for. Can I tell you something? In all the years that I've been teaching people how to podcast and and all the years that I spent on that stage um, telling people why they should have a podcast, inspiring, motivating, encouraging people to have a podcast – that's not why I do what I do. I, matter of fact, today I don't even do any of that stuff related to podcasting. Instead, I can tell you my heart has always been this. I want to entertain, educate, encourage, and inspire others. And specifically, what do I want to educate them on? And what do I want to encourage them to do? And how do I want to inspire them? It's very clear. I want everything I'm about and who I am and what I'm doing, I want to encourage and inspire and educate people on how to become more of who they were created to be. So when I got on the stage October 2013 and Cliff was already back up to about 262, 267 pounds, somewhere around there. There's video. You can go to you can go to mindsetanswerman.com slash six month. No, yeah, no, 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 no. That six months is um is my fitness join. Uh, mindsetanswerman.com slash four reasons. And I think I don't I don't know if it's the number four reasons or F O U R reasons, but mindsetanswerman.com slash four reasons. And I think it's the number four reasons, plural. If you go to mindsetanswerman.com slash four reasons, there are two videos there. One's a 10-minute video, but the the second video is my full talk, my entire full talk video of me on stage at Platform October 2013, and not just mental, not just mindset Cliff Ravenscraft sees himself as Fat Cliff, but physical Fat Cliff is right there on the stage. And oh my gosh, when I I actually recorded that video with my own camera, and when I watched the playback, I felt like a fraud. I felt like a failure. It really, it was almost as bad as actually being in the hospital. And it's not because I wasn't delivering. The thing is, is people were being inspired by my journey of creating your own business, about building your platform, and how I used a podcast to gain an audience, and how I've impacted people's lives, and 
all this other stuff. But the thing is, is I, what I most wanted is I wanted to help people become more of who they were created to be. And yes, I was doing that in helping people put their message out there in a whole different way that is more impactful and influential. And I was helping people learn how to connect and care for people and, and build a community and how to pour into people's lives. And I was, I was having success in that. But one area I can tell you is that I knew for a fact that Cliff Ravenscraft, me, talking about myself in the third person, I was not living the life for which I was created. When I stood on that stage in front of those people, you can go look at that video. When I stood on that stage in front of, I can tell you right now, God did not create me to be a 272 pound fat man. I was not living physically the life for which I was created. And it really bothered me. I was out of integrity for the first time. I didn't realize it. I didn't realize it, but I was realizing there is a shift in identity that God wanted to give me. There was a couple other speaking engagements, but it, it finally came through. So that was October, 2013. Then it was November, 2014. November, 2014 came along and I'm speaking at the platform conference in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And I get on stage and by golly, I am full blown, <laughs> full blown 272 pound Cliff Ravenscraft. I'm talking like my shirts, like it's crazy. That morning, by the way, just before I went to Colorado, I went to Men's Warehouse because I needed to get a new, some new uh, dress clothes. I needed a new suit because I had gained so much more weight since October of 2013. And so two weeks before I went to Colorado, I went and I had them custom fit a suit to me. Literally custom fit. Two weeks before I went to Colorado. That morning that I spoke, and I think I spoke in the morning, that morning when I woke up, I got dressed and I put on my brand new pants. I put on my brand new shirt and I went to go button up my brand new jacket that had just been sized for me two weeks earlier and the freaking button was about ready to pop off. I had gained so much weight in just two freaking weeks. <laughs> two weeks I had gained so much weight that the suit I just bought no longer fits me. Two weeks ago. Ah, now, thankfully, I'd been to the SCORE conference several times and I realized that when I get on the stage, this has nothing to do with how much people like me and I'm not here to impress them. Thank you, Ken Davis, for that message. You changed my life when it comes to my ability to, to do public communication. I'm no longer n nervous. I can today get on the stage. By the way, I, well, I can't get on the stage as a 272-pound man ever again but that's not because of, it's because about what I'm about ready to share and what I've been, what is the theme of this about who I've, how I've changed my identity. But the thing is, is it doesn't matter to me if I have, let's just say, you know, if I've cut myself shaving, it doesn't matter if my hair is a mess, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter if I spilt jelly. Well, that's not going to happen because I'll never eat sugar again. It doesn't matter if I've got a stain on my. Sh it, it doesn't matter. I could do. I could get on a stage, and it doesn't matter if anybody likes me. And I don't care if anybody is is impressed by me. I'm. I am not. The, I'm there to do one thing and one thing only. It's the purpose of that talk, and I can deliver it with confidence. Thank you, Ken Davis, because of the Score Conference. 
But I can tell you, I got up there and I delivered my talk just exactly what I said. In spite of the fact that I feel like a fraud on the inside, because here I am, I, I want to inspire these people to become all that they were created to be. But yet Cliff Ravenscraft is not. I am very, very keen on the fact that I am not living the life in my physical body for which I was created. And I've been feeling a lot of guilt uh, and which guilt is not a good thing, but I've also been feeling a, quite a bit of conviction. I felt like maybe a little prodding even of the Holy Spirit, not guilt, but a little prodding, but a little bit of everything I'm feeling. And I'm like, this is not who I'm designed to be. And, but I got up on the stage, put all of that aside and I delivered the talk and the same thing, why you should have a podcast within 90 days, very effective. People came up to me afterwards, like, 60, 70 people after the talk stayed in line to talk to me to say, Cliff, I've been following you for years. You're such an inspiration. Oh my gosh, I can't believe to tell, begin to tell you how much you've inspired me and all of this stuff. And, and I'm hearing all that stuff and it just makes me feel horrible because it's like, well, the, I'm, I'm so, I, in a way, I'm so glad that I've inspired this, but I w- and, and some of those people are just as unhealthy in their physical bodies as and and I'm I, it's, it just was horrible, it was horrible, and what happened on November fourteenth that the day that I spoke at the platform conference that evening there was a speaker dinner, and my friend Ken Davis invited me to sit down to dinner with him and his wife Stephanie was there with me. And Ken says, Cliff, I've been watching you over the years. I've been hearing you share about your fitness journey and I've seen you have some successes and so, you know, you, you, you've gone up and down. I'm not judging you. And I just want to tell you, I want to offer you something. And if this is out of line, tell me to bug off. I'll never bother you again. I don't mean this in a bad way. I just, I, I've had God prompting me and putting you on my heart. And I've never offered this to anybody before in my life. But Cliff, I'd like to offer to personally mentor you in the area of health and fitness. And then he told me about his story and his journey and showed me a picture of of a not thin Ken Davis. By the way, the, the Ken Davis that offered this to me was a guy who was just turning 70 years old at the time. And he had just run three miles up a mountain in Colorado. So that's the guy. But but he showed me of he showed me a picture of himself when he wasn't that guy. And, and he talked to me about what caused him to have a shift in his identity, the fact that he wanted to live fully alive, told me about a book that he wrote. And he says, Cliff, if you want, I, I want to offer to personally mentor you. And what he said is he gave me a bunch of commitments that I would need to make if I was to take his offer. One of those commitments was to read his book called Fully Alive. Another one was to read a book called Younger Next Year. And in that book, he said that was going to lead me to another um, commitment, which is actually the importance and the need to commit to working out six days a week, every week for the rest of your life. And then he also asked me to make a commitment to run a uh, try to complete a triathlon with him in six months in May of 2015 in Nashville, Tennessee. That day, I, I can tell you right now, in an instant, my identity changed. This is who God created me to be. And what was that identity? That identity was crystal clear. It had never been so clear. I am no longer Fat Cliff. Today, I trade in Fat Cliff. That identity. 
it is gone forever. Today, Cliff Ravenscraft, when it comes to physically, who is Cliff Ravenscraft? Cliff Ravenscraft is a guy who works out six days a week, every week for the rest of his life. That's my new identity. And by golly, I have kept and maintained that identity ever since. I have worked out at minimum of six days a week, every week since November 2014. And you know what? I, 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 dude, the, how fast I went down, my weight went down is insane. I started changing the way that I eat it, was eating again. All of that stuff, all those things I researched in the past, I started applying those again. And by golly, I am living life according to my new identity. Who is Cliff Ravenscraft? Who am I? I am a guy who works out six days a week, every week for the rest of his life. And guess what? I hit the 212. Boom. Me and an old friend... Okay, me and an old adversary have a little chat on the scale. I see you there, 212. You suck. And you know what? Me and 212, we battled it out for about two or three weeks. I am not kidding you. It's like you, I could show you my, my curves. It's like down, 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 Two thirteen, two twelve, two thirteen and a half, two twelve, and I'm like, no, no. I tell you what, me, Cliff Ravenscraft, that guy that works out six days a week every week for the rest of his life. Yeah, we're just gonna turn it up just a little bit at the gym, and we're gonna show you two twelve. You ain't got nothing on me, and so I did, and I hit down to two ten. And then all of a sudden, I kept going. It was a little bit slower, but you want to know why it was a little slower? BS problem. I had a BS problem. From 210 all the way down to 200, I had a BS issue. Belief system issue. And what was that belief system? That belief was, I, I, people told me, you know, once you start getting closer to your goal, which by the way, my goal is to be under 200 at that time. Soon as you get closer to your goal, it's those last 10 pounds are the hardest to lose. It's like th- those are the ones that are just the most difficult to get off. And these, the people who told me this were people that I respected, people that I loved, people that, that I just believe, you know, I, it's like I took them for, and because of what they said, and, and it's not their fault, by the way, they said it, I intentionally, I consciously, I chose to adopt the, the belief that those last 10 pounds were the hardest. And I internalized those beliefs. Those beliefs went deep straight into me and I began to live my life according to the belief that the last 10 pounds towards your goal are the most difficult. And, and because of that, I got down to the 210 and then it's like, and it was like, boom, boom, you know, a little rocky road all the way down to 200. Okay, so I get under 200. I'm 199 pounds and I, and I text a friend of mine. Not gonna out this friend, but I text a friend of mine and I said, I did it! I am under 200 pounds! I am under 200 pounds! And this friend of mine says, yes, congratulations! Now starts the hard work. The hardest part, losing the weight is easy. The hardest part is maintaining it. What? What? Oh! And you know what? It wasn't the first time I've heard that. 
I heard that before. I didn't really think about it because guess what? I had never hit the goal in the first place. So why did I need to worry about how hard it was going to be? Because I ain't got there yet. But boy, I got there. And then this friend of mine says the hardest part. You know, that was the easy part, losing it. The hardest part is keeping the weight off. The hardest part is maintaining it. And guess what? I chose Cliff Ravenscraft. Me, nobody else, nobody forced me to believe this. I chose to believe it. I chose to take that, tru- that, that information and I chose to believe this is truth. This is reality. This is an undisputable truth that everybody says, everybody believes. This is, I adopt this belief and I began to live my life every day with the belief and I acted. Every action I took was in accordance to the belief that maintaining under 200 pounds was going to be the most, no, I'm sorry, not wasn't going to be, was the most difficult thing I'll ever do. And as a result of it, I bounced between 199 to 201, 199 to 202, 200 to 203, and all of this other stuff. And I want to tell you what happened. I went up to like 212. Dude, where'd you come from? I hate you, 212. You are my freaking worst enemy on this planet. I do not like you, 212. And as a result of hitting 212, I'm like, no way. Boom, right back down to 201, 202, 201, 202, 207, 208. I'm, but I'm living life according to the belief. I'm living life according to the belief that maintaining under 200 is the most difficult thing you could possibly imagine. And I'm living my life in accordance with those beliefs. And I hit that 212. And then finally I hit the 212 and it must have been a really bad day. And I'm like, you know what? Fine, 212. Be what you are. Fine. And I start going beyond 212, 214, 220, 225, 227, 232. And then I wake up. I woke up at 232. I'm like, dude, no, 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 no. I've been here before. This is not possible. This is not possible. 232 gets me too close to Fat Cliff. I gave up the identity fat cliff. I do not I am not fat cliff. I am not a 272 pound man. My identity is a man who works out 6 days a week every week for the rest of my life. But you know what? The problem that I had was that during all this time, all the way from the time I hit 202 or 199 and I'm hovering between that and 212 and then went back and 212 went back and and now I'm 232. Guess what? I'm at the gym six days a week every week. I'm working out harder than you probably can imagine. And I'm still going up and up and up. You know why? Because, well, there's, there's a part of me that my, ident- the, my, my identity change, the change in who I believed I was, was not complete. You see, I thought in d- November 2014, God wanted me to say, you know what? Uh, you're not a 272-pound man. You are a man that works out six days a week, every week for the rest of your life. Why well, I adopted that new identity, kind of like how God gave people new names in the old, te- you know, it's like, you know what I'm talking about? I had a new name. I had a new identity and I started living life according to that. But that identity wasn't actually complete. It was a part of my identity, but it wasn't complete. That wasn't who I was created to be. So 
what happened was I got to 232 and I realized, it's like, wait a second, something else got changed here. And so now all of a sudden I realized, hey, God didn't create me to eat all this sugar all the time and be controlled by it. And I made some decisions. I'm going to cut out sugar. And I started out drastically reducing it. I said I was only going to eat it like once a week and never more than two weeks in a row. Uh, And I lived that through December, except for the fact I didn't eat any sugar in December until December 24th of 2017. And then I got so sick and I'm like, okay, why did I do this? This is horrible. I missed out on some great family time on Christmas Eve. Man, what a painful experience that was, which is a whole, I could do a practice session on the motivating forces of pain and pleasure, which I may do, um, probably will do. Anyway, but December 24th, by the way, December 24th, 2017 was the last time, ah, this tongue is the last time any sugary snack has like crossed these lips. I've not had sugar since then. And actually, uh, January of 2018, I made a public announcement to the world, new identity change, update to my identity. Cliff Ravenscraft is now not only a man who works out six days a week, every week for the rest of his life, but guess what? Cliff Ravenscraft is also a man who will never eat sugary snacks again in his lifetime. That means no Kit Kats, no, uh, no candy bars, no ice cream, no birthday cake, no pumpkin pie, no cupcakes, no cookies, none of that stuff. If it's got the granulated added sugar in those sugary dessert type snacks, it ain't ever happening again. By the way, I'm not so crazy that like I, it's not like I will never eat pasta with uh, with pot, with pasta sauce that has you know a little bit of added sugar to it. It's not that. As I'm I, I clearly I Cliff Ravenscraft was having a very serious problem with my love and addiction to Kit Kats and what was the other ones? Peanut M and M's. Um, uh, gosh, Grater's ice cream. I was eating like I got to the place. I'm working out six days a week, but I'm eating like three pints of Grater's ice cream a week. What? These cookies at Penn Station, they had these super large, like this size, the size bigger than my fist, and I got big fist, uh, bigger than my fist, chocolate chunk cookie that are I used to think were to die for. Uh, and I was willing to die for them, obviously, because I was eating like two of those a day, several days a week. But I'm working out six days a week. But I'm eating up all of those extra calories that I'm burning, and on top of that, I'm actually eating more sugar. It's like, well, I've already went past my calorie budget for the day. What's it going to hurt if I just go ahead and eat another 400 calories here, 300? Maybe I'll work it off tomorrow. My identity was just that I work out six days a week every week for the rest of my life. But I wanted to shift my identity. So now my identity is I, I, I work out six days a week every week for the rest of my life. And by the way, my new identity is also I never eat sugary snacks ever again in my life. And I haven't, and I never will. You, I said this the other day. I said on a Facebook live stream the other day, I said, you couldn't pay me a million dollars to eat a Kit Kat. And then I was having a conversation with Stephen. I said, I, I told people this and I'm like, was that a stupid thing to say? Because I have some friends that actually are multi, 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 multi millionaires. Uh, some of them are decamillionaires and I got one or two that are a little even beyond that. And I wonder if any of them would ever hear me say, you couldn't pay me a million dollars to eat a Kit Kat bar. And I wonder if somebody actually sat there and wrote me a check for a million dollars if I wouldn't be tempted to eat a Kit Kat bar. 
And I got to tell you, I had a re- – it's like Stephanie says, you are so freaking ridiculous. Nobody's going to offer you a million dollars to eat a Kit Kat bar. I said I, – it's like I started to ask myself, it's like what if they, what if they offered me a hundred – at what price would I eat a Kit Kat bar? At what price would I go – at what price would I be willing to act inconsistently with my identity? Remember, the strongest force in the whole human personality is the need to stay consistent with how we define ourselves. To stay in integrity with who we believe we are. At what price would I eat a Kit Kat bar? What even if it's just one? And I, I, I it's like okay, well I've already I've already stated to the world that you you could not pay me one million dollars to eat one Kit Kat bar. But if anybody out there wanted to pay me one million and one dollars, I'll eat one Kit Kat bar. For the rest of my, I'll eat one Kit Kat bar for one million one hundred dollars, um, and 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 that's it. Uh, but it's going to cost you one million one hundred dollars to see Cliff Ravenscraft eat one Kit Kat bar. Uh, but you couldn't pay me just a million. <laughs> the reality is, chances are, if you offered me one, if you offered me ten million dollars, I probably could not even. I probably couldn't swallow a Kit Kat bar at this point. I don't think it is possible. And that, that's a different practice session that is associating. I, I have gone through and conditioned my beliefs about Kit Kat bars, about ice cream, about chocolate chip cookies, pumpkin pie. All of that stuff is dead to me and it makes me sick to think about it. I do not judge you for eating it. I do not judge my wife. I do not judge my kids. I do not judge any other person on this planet who eats those foods. But I can tell you right now, it makes me sick to my stomach to even see it. And I try to keep all of that to myself. <laughs> Unless you want to know about it. And by the way, I've had somebody who's had that conversation with me. And they, actually, I've had that conversation with two people. And both of those people have given up sugar on, for the rest of their lives and have publicly stated so. Anyway, so in case, unless you want to give up sugar for the rest of your life, you may not want to ask me how to do it. Because I may just share it with you and then you'll, you'll be like me. You'll never be able to eat birthday cake. Which means you'll obviously never be able to celebrate anybody's birthday and show them how much you care for them. It's a BS problem. It, just in case you didn't hear me, I whispered, that's a BS problem. All right, anyway, where, where am I at on here? Hardest part is maintaining it. I adopted that belief. Here's a, Okay, so my identity shift was not enough. I gave up the sugar. And then guess what? I gave up the sugar and guess what happens? Cliff Ravenscraft is whoo, under 200 pounds. I am under 200 pounds. By the way, since I got down to 200 pounds this time, do you know what I did? I went back to that, I went back to that message. I, 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 did a, I did a little replay, a little replay in my mind. Remember that conversation? It's like, oh, now that you're under 200, this is the most difficult thing. You know what? I went back and I replayed that message in my mind and I said, that's BS. And I'm not talking about belief system this time. That's the other BS. I do not believe it's going to be hard to maintain under 200 pounds. I, refu- I, I, I literally spent an hour and a half giving all of the reasons why it was going to be absolutely the most easiest thing in the world for me to stay under 200 pounds. I am, by the way, I am absolutely convinced it is easy to maintain your goal weight. Once you, whatever your goal is, it is absolutely easy 
to maintain. It is not the most difficult thing, all right? So here's the deal. I get under 200 pounds. I weigh 199 pounds. I get on a Facebook Live. I'm so excited. I'm actually at the gym. And at the gym, I do this Facebook Live and I announced to the world, I said, I am stating it here publicly. I want to let you guys know, I, Cliff Bravenscraft, will never weigh more than 200 pounds for the rest of my life. Boom! New identity. New identity. I now have three identities when it comes to my physical fitness and health. What is my first one? I adopted the new, I I was given a new name. November 14th, 2014. I work out six days a week, every week for the rest of my life. It's, it would be very difficult for you to even, I don't, I don't think you could talk me out of it. I, I, the only person who could keep me from working out is that my doctor puts me on bed rest and by golly, anyway, I work out six days a week, every week for the rest of my life. That is who I am. I, I, I can't not work out. It's who I am. It's easy for me. It is not a daily grind. It is not a struggle. It is, something, it is the thing I look most forward to every single day of my life. I can't wait until the next time I hit the gym. And I am not just saying that. I literally can't wait. I wake up in the morning, I jump straight out of the bed and say, let's hit it. And I'm there for two hours because I love it. All right. Now here's the thing. I tell the world my third one. Or so that's the second one the se- or the first one. The first one, I work out six days a week. My second identity, I will never consume a sugary sweet snack like that stuff ever again. In my entire lifetime, it will never happen. Boom. That's done. It, I have not consumed a sugary snack since... December 24th, Christmas Eve, 2017. It will never happen again. It's not possible. All right? Now, third identity. Couple weeks ago, actually a month ago, a month ago, I said to the world, new identity number three, I will never weigh more than 200 pounds again in my life. And by the way, my goal, my next goal is 180. My next goal is 180. And guess what happened? I, at the time I stated that, I was 199 pounds. And then I got down to 198. And I got down to 196. I got down to 195. And then I got to 196. Or no, one, yeah, 196. And then I was 196.5. And then I was 195. And then I was 196. And then I was 195. And then I was 196.5. 196. 196.7, 197.5, 198, 199, 200. I'm going back up. I, I hit 195. I hit 195. And I'm now 200 again. But guess what? The strongest, uh, let's see, where is it at? Hold on. The strongest force in the all human personality is the need to stay consistent with one's true identity, my identity. I will never, so as soon as I hit that 200, guess what? Dude, I'm just gonna turn it up at the gym. And that's exactly what I did. 200, and boy, I did not even, I didn't even hit 200.1. I was like, 200? It's like, 
uh-uh, I know exactly what to do to get this thing taken care of. And then I'm 199, 198, 196, 195, 194, 194 and a half, 195, 196 and a half, 197, 190. And I'm not eating sugar. I'm just eating more snacks. I, it's like, I know what my calorie budget is. I know all the things I need to do. I know all about all of these different things, but I'm under 200, so I'm comfortable. Ha, huh. I'm comfortable when I'm actually living according to my true identity. My true identity is that I work out six days a week, every week for the rest of my life. I avoid any sugary snacks for the rest of my life and I will never weigh more than 200. And whether I'm 194 or I'm 199, I am living in integrity and in comfort of never being above 200. So I'm 198, 198.5, 199.5. And guess what? Six days ago, Today, by the way, is Friday, May 4th, 2018, as I'm recording this. Six days ago, I got on the scale. By the way, I weigh myself every single day. I, a pres, it's not a prescription. I'm just describing who I am, what I do. I weigh myself every day. Um, but um, six days ago, I weighed in right at flat 200 pounds. On the way to the gym, I said, you know what? I, th- I think I want to talk about this identity thing. I-, I think I got an identity crisis going on here. Drink a water for those of you listening to audio only. Here's the deal. I have the- this identity that I will never be over 200. But my goal right now is 180. I, 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 at 200, I still have more body fat percentage than I believe I was created to live. And so I know for a fact, 180 is going to get me closer to who I believe God created me to be. And I, when I close my eyes at one, let's just say at 200, six days ago, when I close my eyes, I see myself as a man who works out six days a week, every week for the rest of his life. I, when I close my eyes and I look into the mirror, I see Cliff Ravenscraft staring back at me. That is a man who will never eat a sugary snack again in his life. And when I look into the mirror and I see that guy, Cliff Ravenscraft staring back at me, I see a man who will never, ever, ever, ever be above 200 pounds again for the rest of his life. And that's why I'm not getting to 180. So six days ago, I adopted a new identity. By the way, I didn't adopt a fourth new identity when it comes to my health and fitness. I replaced my third. I replaced my third identity. What was that identity? I replaced the identity that says I will never in my life ever again weigh more than 200 pounds. I erased that identity six days ago and I replaced it and I stated to my wife and to a couple, actually just to my wife and and to myself, but it was, I'm telling you, this is It is every bit as much as if I told the world, and by the way, I'm getting ready to tell the world right here, right now. I told my wife, from this day forward, 
I will never weigh more than 100 pa- 180 pounds ever again in my lifetime, which by the way, I currently do. And it's unacceptable. I am out of integrity. I am not living my life physically according to who I know I've been created to be. I, matter of fact, six days ago, six days ago, I looked, I closed my eyes. I looked into the mirror. I saw a guy who works out six days a week, every week for the rest of his life. Six days ago, I looked into a mirror and I saw a guy who will never eat sugary snacks again for the rest of his life. And six days ago, I immediately took the picture of Cliff Ravenscraft who will never be above 200 pounds again. And I, I, completely wiped that guy away. He does not exist anymore. And I replaced that guy with a guy who will never, ever be above 180 pounds again, ever in his life. Which by the way, there is one caveat. The only way I will weigh more than 180 pounds is if I am 15% body fat and the rest of all of that weight above 180 pounds is pure fricking muscle that's gonna get me ready for men's fitness magazine. Oh my gosh, I'm sweating a little bit. That's disgusting. I'm sorry. Anyway, (laughs) so what was I going to say? What was I going to say? I changed my identity. By the way, guys, I am not a medical professional. I have learned a lot about health and fitness. I have read countless articles in, in health and fitness journals. I've, since January 2009, I've probably studied more than 300 hours of nutrition, health, fitness related materials. I've watched I've watched at least 9 seasons of The Biggest Loser. I've I've which that's not research in and of itself. But I've read books. I've read I I've got friends who are professionals in this area. I do not recommend anything to anyone when it comes to what you should do physically as far as your physical activity, and I do not make any recommendation to you whatsoever when it comes to your nutrition and and what you eat and how you eat. None of that comes from me as a recommendation. But I will tell you, I know some things. I know some things, and I am an extremely healthy person right now. But I will tell you that six days ago, I weighed 200 pounds. Six days later, today, I weigh 191. And within the next 15 days, easy, I will be in congruency with my identity. I will be consistent with my identity within the next 15 days or certainly by May 30th, which is my daughter's, my oldest daughter's graduation day. By May 30th, I will be under 180 pounds. And I know exactly how to do it. I've lost three pounds a day every day for the last three days. And by the way, if anybody's concerned, I'm eating a minimum of 1,200 calories per day, every single day, a minimum. And I'm usually eating somewhere between 16 to 1,800 calories per day every single day, which is exactly the right amount of calories for my body, between 1,200 to 1,800 calories every single day, and by the way, they are, zero of it is snacks. Not even the salty ones. 
You know, it, not the Slim Jims. It's not the 100-calorie packs of pretzels. I'm talking it is full-on, healthy, nutritious food. All 1,200 to 1,800 calories. But by golly, I'm in the gym between uh, two to three hours a day every day. And it's not just working out soft and easy and all that stuff. I am killing it at the gym. And I'm loving it at the gym. And I am I, – I literally walk away – it's like my – my clothes, my, my, my workout shirt and my underwear and my workout shorts, they weigh like five pounds of sweat. So I am telling you, I am killing it because you know what? I know how to. And, and so a friend of mine says, well, your goal is to get to 180, right? And I was like, yeah. He goes, so, th- so basically that's going to be the hardest you know, thing. And I said, if it's okay with you, I reject that belief system. I, believe, I reject that belief. I said, no, I, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a piece of cake, pun intended, I guess. It's going to be super easy for me to get to 180. It's going to be the easiest thing. I'm going to continue to lose. I, won't, I, I may not lose three pounds a day every single day for the next five days, but you know what? I know how to get to 180 by May 30th, and it's going to be so easy. I am driven. I know I'm going to do it. It is my identity. When I close my eyes, I do not see who I am today in the mirror. Physically, I get on the scale. I look at the scale. Today, I weigh 191 pounds. But if I close my eyes and I look in the mirror, I know I am not a 191-pound guy. I am a 180-pound man in a 191-pound body, and it's not acceptable. And that, my friends, is the power of belief about who you are. So with all of that being said, what you believe about who you are will determine your outcome. That, my friends, is what I wanted to share with you today. And by the way, this works in finances. Close your eyes. You know, open your eyes, open your eyes, look in your bank account or open your eyes, look at your adjusted gross income for the, for your tax document, your tax returns, your personal tax returns. I think it's your 1099 form. Look, go, you look for the one that says adjusted gross income. That's the one you look for. Look at it and see it physically every count it, like do the last five years, add all those five years together and then divide it by five, that's the average. And I wanna tell you right now, that's physically, that's physically what you would see, quote unquote, on the scale. But the only way for you to change it physically is for you to be able to change in your mind about what you believe about who you are. See, I am no longer a $100,000 man. I, I happen to be a guy, I happen to be right now, I can tell you right now, I today it's it's silly. I know I should be a million dollar man. I'm working on that. We all have our upper limit challenges. We all have our thermostats. Those are languages I'll use in other practice sessions. But the reality is I'm going to just tell you today that my thermostat is now set. I I have a new identity. When I close my I I can look at my I can look at my what is it, adjusted gross Revenue, is that, is that what it is? Uh, no, adjusted gross in AGI, my adjusted gross income. I can look at that physically right now. I am a quarter of a million dollar man inside of a person who is currently doing things to generate just over $120,000 a year. 
and I know that. But guess what? I can tell you right now, my, my, because I've changed my identity just like this. I, I've done that way before I had all this stuff in the physical space. I've actually worked on this stuff in the financial space. And I can tell you right now, my, my adjusted gross revenue or adjusted gross income is not going to be $120,000 this year. It's, it's gonna, it should be right at the – well, let's just put it this way. There, there's one thing that I'm doing this year that could generate over $200,000 in profit in one weekend. So if that gives you any indication of just how much changing your identity matters. And by the way, this works also as a husband. Who are you, who are you as a husband? And by the way, your past does not equal your future. Who are you as a father or as a mother, as a wife, whatever the case, this works in every area of life. What you believe about who you are will determine your outcome. All right. I'm going to see if there's any questions uh, right there. So I, I've got the thing pulled up. Does anybody have any quick comments or questions? There are eight people who stuck around at, at, to the end of this. Mark says, love the practice sessions. Frank Lipsky says, hello, Cliff. Johnny says, you look great, Cliff. You look great, Cliff. You really do. Thank you. William says, hello, Cliff. Liz says, 85 to 90% of people who lose weight gain it all back and more. Yeah, that's because they didn't change their identity. Uh, diets don't, let's see here, uh, diets don't work. So I agree with you. It's a mindset change. It's all about your thoughts. I think diets are definitely a part. Can, like diet, is, I think of the word diet as... Um, uh, is more of a, a description of what we eat. And so what we eat actually does, changing what we eat does work. But I agree that a quote unquote diet that you only plan on going on for a, a period of time to gain a goal, you're right, those don't work. Johnny says, 212, ain't, uh, you ain't got nothing on Cliff Ravenscraft. That's awesome. Thank you, Johnny. I appreciate it. Jeff says, uh, adjusted, adjusted gross income is line 37 on the 1040. Thank you so much, Jeff, for the clarification there. Uh, Joe says, what if I change my mindset and my identity but can't stick to it? Then you did not change your identity. If it, There's a very clear process that you have to actually change your true belief about who you are. And I can tell you right now, you don't have to worry. What, if you change your identity, you can't not stick to it. So if you're having a hard time sticking to your new identity, it's because you still have the old identity. That's it. So it, it's actually adopting the new identity. Liz says, great session. Thank you. Joe says, what do you think of podcast recording between don't care about any of the stuff related to podcasting? Joe, I apologize, but my, my focus, my energy, my mind, everything is off the technology of podcasting. I apologize. If you want thoughts and advice on podcasting, you can email me and I'll refer you to somebody who can talk to you about all the technical stuff of podcasting until he's blue in the face because he loves it. I don't. I want to talk about what people believe about who they are and what they're able to achieve in this world. And, and I've got so many things that are so much more important than, than you know, recording audio between a bunch of different platforms. And I hope that doesn't offend you, Joe, but that's where my focus is today. It's who I am. I, Cliff Ravenscraft is no longer the podcast answer man. In fact, I've changed my URL. It's actually now the cliffravenscraftshow.com, but that's a whole 
mouthful. So everything I do today, I talk about it's, it's mindsetanswerman.com slash whatever. It just happens to be another domain that I pulled up. But he says, okay, no problem. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate that, that you understand that I'm not going to be touching on uh, the technical aspects of podcasting anymore. Guys, thank you so much for participating. By the way, if any of you are watching this on Facebook, if you're watching this on YouTube, if you're listening to this in my audio podcast, please understand this. This is a practice session. This set, by the way, what I just shared, I probably wouldn't take this long to share it on stage. Who knows? Maybe I might. Uh, Tony, Tony Robbins <laughs> does some pretty long sessions. Uh, but the thing is, is I, I got to tell you, th- this content, this actual session right here may not make it to the stage. Uh, it may, it may not, but it is a part of the practice sessions. And this is the kind of stuff I'm sharing on a pretty consistent basis from here to September. This is not the first one. There's one on money and pricing mindset that has been blowing people's minds that's already in the practice session materials. So that one would radically change your belief about who you are and what you can do and about your thoughts and your beliefs about money. Uh, This is just the beginning. And I may in the future do one or two more random Facebook Lives where I use the Facebook Live platform to deliver a practice session. It will not happen consistently. In fact, from this point forward, a majority, I would say at least nine out of 10 practice sessions are only going to be available to those who've purchased a ticket. All right? All the, the, uh, why until September? Uh, because September is my conference. September 7th, 8th, and 9th. Alex is asking why until September. Uh, September 7th, 8th, and 9th is the Free the Dream Conference. All of this is me practicing on how I'm going to teach material, shaping my message, and how I deliver it, what illustrations I use. How can I pare that down and take out some of the unessential and stuff like that so that when I deliver it on the stage in Franklin, Tennessee on September 7th, 8th, and 9th, it's going to be, it's going to be just what needs to be said and nothing more. So... Yeah, that's why I'm doing these practice sessions. If you want to get in on these practice sessions, number one, you can buy a VIP ticket while they still, while they still exist. They'll be sold out soon. Uh, you could get a standard ticket. Uh, that's a standard ticket. There'll be plenty of those, I'm sure, for a while. Over at freethedream.live, if you click any of the register now buttons at you know the top of the page or throughout the page, you will be able to register and get a VIP or a standard ticket uh, if available. And either one of those will get you access to the virtual ticket, which, by the way, will include all of the recordings from everything at the conference. It'll just be like two or three weeks later. uh, You'll get a recording of everything that happened on stage at the conference. But you also have instant access to all of these practice sessions. You'll be invited to attend these practice sessions live but also they'll be recorded and put into the uh, into my Kajabi account where I deliver all my digital products. But you'll have all of these videos that you can watch at your convenience even if you were not able to join live. And by the way, if you do not plan on coming physically to the Free the Dream conference, you can get a virtual ticket only. And that is where you go to the, you go to the Free the Dream sales page. You have to scroll all the way to the bottom and there is a thing that says can't come to the comp- or can't come to Franklin in September question mark and it's got all the blurb there about the virtual ticket option you can buy a virtual ticket only at the bottom of the sales page at freethedream.live you'll get all of the practice sessions you'll get all of the recordings from the event 
you just won't get the pleasure of hanging out with me uh, physically in that space and all the other people, the hundreds of people that are going to descend, is it descend upon or ascend upon, coming to Franklin, Tennessee, September 7th, 8th, and 9th, 2018. Folks from France, from Germany, from Singapore are already coming. I know more countries than that will be represented. And of course, people from all over the United States, people who are coming to change their beliefs about who they are, to understand where they develop the belief system that they have today, the beliefs that you have that are that are driving every decision you make. And therefore, dis, basically, you are the result of your beliefs. All of that, you'll discover where those beliefs came from. You'll be able to finally discover how to evaluate whether those beliefs are true and they're serving you or holding you back from living the life for which you were created. And if they are holding you back and they're not true, we'll help you eliminate them and you will set up some new beliefs. You will change your identity. And the best part is... You don't have to wait until September. You can start changing all of this immediately with the practice sessions. Head over to freethedream.live. Until next time, my friends, I encourage you to take everything you do, including what you believe about who you are, to the next level. Bye-bye.